This morning, we're going to be focusing on the life that Christ makes possible for us. And I want you to think about, as Stephen led us through our our reflections during communion, as you think about the word life and what our world says about it, what does it mean for us to be people who anticipate the true life that only God can make possible for us through Christ? Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for this time we have to be together. We thank you, we praise you for the ways that you shower blessings into our experience. Blessings that we don't deserve, and yet, because of your mercy, that we claim as a part of our everyday lives. And as we think about our lives, as we think about life, God, as we open up your word, we pray that you would help break through so many of the messages that we hear about what true life really is about, that we would focus on the abundant life that Jesus and Jesus alone can bring us through through the power that you shower into his life and through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our every everyday comings and goings and, and the things that, that we understand and the things that we don't understand. God, we We sense your presence, and we thank you for that. And so we ask that you would help open up our imaginations, open up our hearts as we listen to your word. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So life at at its most basic element consists of the passing of time. And while we all know, while it's true that, that the rate of time is always the same. Every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year. It doesn't feel that way. Time has to be the most elastic, uneven experience of life. And because of that, we've come up with all kinds of ways to talk about it, right? You've heard people say that, that time can crawl by and it can fly by. Uh, Time can drag on forever and can run out before you even know what's happened. We can spend time. We can waste time. We can even kill time. Humorist author Dave Barry says that aside from Velcro, time is the most mysterious substance in the universe. You can't see it or touch it, yet a repairman can charge you upwards of $85 per hour for it without necessarily fixing anything. Now, my apologies to all the repairmen in the room. But you know the point that Barry's trying to make. Time is one of those things that we all experience, but none of us fully understand. Or at least, we don't fully understand the best way to deal with the passing of time. It never stops moving, which means that we can't ever completely control it. And yet, we don't want to be controlled by it. Right? We all have a certain amount of time that we've been given to spend. And we do well to spend it as wisely as we possibly can. Now, the difficulty when we talk about how we're spending our lives, how we're spending our time, is that, that when someone speaks about it or asks us to consider it, it's, it's hard for me at least to feel like I have any free time left to give. Right? So much of my time feels like it's already spoken for. If you take all the time that, that, I, that I work each week and then the time on the evening, during the evenings and the weekends that I'm trying to be fully present to my family for, for Riley and Reese and Lauren, you, know, you get on an average day, I get to the place where everything's finally done, we, 
We've had dinner, we've had bedtime, and, and I have about an hour or so where I have some choices I feel like I can make. And usually Lauren and I spend that time catching up with one another, visiting, maybe watching a little TV, and then I read and, and try to go to sleep. And on evenings where we already have plans, right, on evenings where we, we're already having a social get-together with someone, dinner with another family, th- th- there's no time where I feel like I've actually got some decisions I get to make. What I'm trying to say is that, that there's really no space left when I, when I start to consider, okay, where would I carve some extra time out for anything else? I already feel like I don't get to the things I want to get to. I, I already don't do the things that, that I plan to do. And I know, brothers and sisters, that I'm far from alone. Right? We, we all know that tension of having the best of, the best of plans just fall apart. The best of intentions not really come to fruition because we think we've got control of our time. And yet there are many times we would confess that it feels like time has control of us. I mean, the truth is, whether you and I got around to doing all the things we wanted to or planned to do this past year, it's almost over. I I think we've got about 37 hours left, give or take, depending on how long this sermon's going to (laughs) last, in this, this year, 2018. It's a year that we've all lived through together. And it's a year that we know we're never going to get back, a year when we did some things that we can be proud of, a year when all of us have done some things that, if we're going to be honest, we're, we're a little embarrassed by. We've, we've had really great experiences. We've had really challenging experiences. We've, we've been able to, to accomplish some things, and we've really struggled with other things. And with 37 hours left... That means we have just a short amount of time for us in this year to really reflect and to dream, to remember, and to hope, which is what most people are doing, whether they're people of faith or not. That's that's what they're doing today and tomorrow and maybe the next day, thinking about what kind of year they've had and what kind of year they hope to have. And I, I would like for us right now, for the next minute and a half or so, uh, to engage in a spiritual practice that I hope that you, you'll find to be helpful. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you a series of reflection questions, and I'm going to give you about 10 seconds each. Now, 10 seconds in a room this size with this many other people feels longer than 10 seconds, but I'm, I'm going to keep track of the time, I promise. And I, I want to give you just a little bit of space for you to, to carefully consider each one of these questions. Um, And I I want you to think about this past year and where you've been. So, are you ready? Okay, thank you, Glenn. At least you and I are going to do this together. Okay, so, as you think over the past 12 months, the first question I want you to to consider is, when in the past year did you feel the most alive? The most energy? Did you experience the most joy? And the other side of experience, when would you say you felt the most drained? One of your hardest moments, something that was really challenging. 
okay, when you consider the past year, which relationship in your life would you say improved the most? It started out not on, on good terms, but in the past 12 months, you've really found a way to, to reconcile with someone. And again, on the other side of, of the coin, which relationship would you have to admit has suffered the most? Okay, let's, let's consider your relationship with God. When in this past year did you feel closest to God? Right? Not, a, not a, an inkling of doubt, not, not a sense of is, is God here right, right next to me working in my life? When did you feel closest? What moment left you feeling far away from God? Maybe it was something you had to go through, something someone you cared about struggled through. When did you feel far away from God? I want you to consider these next two questions um, kind of at the same time because it's probably a balance, okay? But on one side, how often would you say you were satisfied, content, feeling like life was going well? And on the other hand, when, when would you say you were frustrated? What, what's the balance there? 50-50, 70-30, you get the picture, right? How, how much of your life this year were you content and how much were you frustrated? Okay, so as we look at all of these questions together on one screen, I know that, what, 80 seconds or so is not nearly enough time for you to consider what this last year has been like, not just in general, but from a, a spiritual standpoint. But I want you to look at these, these eight questions, and they're, they're not special because they're, they're written in some way that you wouldn't ever anticipate. They're only special in the sense that they help guide our thoughts as we reflect. And if there's one thing that people in our world really struggle with, it's slowing down and actually intentionally thinking through what kind of, of experience they've just gone through. I mean, you, you could ask similar questions for every single day, right? But I'm, I'm asking you to reflect on the last 365 days. What has it been like for you in your spiritual journey, in your relationships with God, your relationships with other people, 
When have you really sensed that you were growing in your faith? When have you really struggled with your faith? Where have you been this past year? I want to just ask you one primary question as you as you anticipate and you hope 2019. And that is that as you consider this year that is to come, what would you say your heart is longing for more than anything else? Right, what, what is it that's going to get you out of bed in the morning or keep you going when, when things are difficult? What is it that you're truly, deeply longing for? Now, my guess is is that we we went around this room and we had the time to share our answer to that question. We would all probably give slightly different answers, maybe even very different answers. But my guess is that if we we really got to the the deepest longings of, of all of our hearts, we would find that in one way or another, even if we use different words to describe it, all of us could say that we share a deep longing, a deep hope, To have a relationship with God that gives us a real chance at a fresh start. Right? This this deep longing that no matter how many years make up your life, how many New Year's Eves you've celebrated, that as you think about 2019, there's a piece of you that's really, truly wanting to believe that whatever destructive cycles you've had to have to endure, or, or maybe patterns of thought that you've gone through in your life up to this point, the kinds of struggles with sin that you have, that, that maybe you feel like you're always going to have, there's a piece of us, as people of faith, where we're hoping that regardless of what else has come up to this point, we believe in a God who can help us break free from everything that has threatened to destroy us in our past. Regardless of how much of it we would say is our fault or or someone else's fault, regardless of how much of it we've caused to happen or it simply happened to us, we want to believe that we don't have to be forever who we've always been up to right now. This is, at its most basic essence, the hope of the resurrection. Not only that we have life after death, but that we can go through moments in our lives now where we die to sin and struggles and we are raised up as new people here and now. That is so much better, that is so much deeper than asking one another what our New Year's, new Year's resolutions are going to be. Right? That we're going to make some gradual changes, that we hope some things uh, change a little bit at a time. No, we want to believe that we could be raised up as new people Because of the way Jesus is present in our lives. When God sent the prophet Ezekiel to to speak words of comfort to his people thousands of years ago. He sends Ezekiel to speak words of comfort to them at a time when they are nervous about the future. They don't know what's going to happen next. And they're they're worried about what what could probably happen next. They're worried about what's going to unfold in their lives because they deserve it. Because of the mistakes they've made. Because of the doubts they've given into. And yet God wants them to know that even then, with all of that self-doubt, maybe even doubt in him, and, and the struggles that they have in their lives, that they really can believe in something entirely new for themselves because of, because of his presence in their lives. You've got your Bible open up to Ezekiel chapter 36. We'll start reading together 
in verse 24. Let these words speak to you this morning. God, through Ezekiel, says, For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all of your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Eleven times in just five verses, God makes the sweeping promise of what he can do in our lives in the future if we'll let him. Did you hear all those promises over and over and over again? I will take you. I will gather you and bring you back. I'll sprinkle you with clean water. I'll cleanse you. I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your heart of stone. I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you. I will move you to follow my decrees. I will be your God. Eleven times in just five verses, God tells us what, not, not just what he'll do for his people thousands of years ago, but what he'll do for us in 2019 if we'll let him. Eleven different ways God tells us that he can gather us, gather us together and gather us home, hold us close. He can make us new, make us clean, help us start over with a, a new heart and a new spirit inside of us. He can, in other words, help us become who he has always longed for us to be, no matter what's happened up to this moment. And what that means is that the time that we're going to spend Next year, in, in 2019, will not only be about what we manage to accomplish ourselves, but it will be time that's defined, right? that, that needs to be defined by us letting God closer to our hearts than we ever have before. Less about what we're going to accomplish on our own and more about what we're going to partner with God to accomplish in our own lives. 2019 can be a year that we open our souls wide to the truth that God really can make us new. That God really can wash us clean of our regrets and our mistakes. And God really can empower us to live the life he's always wanted for us to live. Now that, that may be exactly the same thing as the life you've always wanted to live. Or there may be some distance between the life that you want to live and the life that God wants you to live. But but even that distance can be closed in the year that is to come if we'll let it. And some of the things I love best about church are all the stories that I've, I've been able to see happen. Stories where God breaks into somebody's life and lets them experience a new beginning. Gives them a fresh start. And I, I've seen an alcoholic slip into the back row late to church one Sunday and and through God's power and presence in his life, and through the encouragement and the accountability of God's people, watch him wrestle a decades-long addiction into submission in less than a year. And he's still managing to live a healthy life all these years later. I I've watched a woman discover the Bible for the first time in her life in her early 70s, reading every word of God's word 
in less than a year, and I watched God's word transform her. I mean, she simply wasn't the same woman after she had read scripture from cover to cover. She was more patient and kind and caring. She was more joyful. She had a heart of service for other people that she'd never experienced before. I've, I've witnessed couples on the verge of giving up on one another. Giving up on, on their relationship because of, of holding grudges and, and, and disagreements and, and not, not really finding the desire back into that marriage relationship that, that they had promised to live in. And, and yet somehow God breaks into that kind of a relationship. I've seen it time and again where suddenly they experience hope for themselves and for one another and and they they're able to make God the center of their married lives and and suddenly well the love that they have for one another is deepened until it's unshakable I've seen people who who had a falling out years earlier between them and somebody else at church unexpectedly suddenly find the strength to that, that, that they needed to actually give grace to one another, not just speak words of, of forgiveness, but to actually live the reality of forgiveness to one another. And they eventually found a way to rediscover their long-lost friendships. I, I've watched troubled souls overcome their sadness and anxiety as the peace that passes understanding flooded their hearts and minds, lifting their spirits to a place of stability and joy that they didn't think they would ever experience again. And I could keep going on and on because brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, whatever has happened in your life up to this moment, whatever happened last year to you, it does not have the power to define your future when your future is actually defined by God. It can be hard to trust in that truth. We've got all kinds of reasons to think that our future rests on our shoulders and our shoulders alone. And that the limitations we've experienced in the past, the, the struggles that we, we still bear to this moment, that we will never experience freedom from those things. But brothers and sisters, when we struggle with that, we're not just wrestling with faith in ourselves. You shouldn't have a lot of faith in yourself. You're wrestling with faith in God. And we all wrestle with that faith. But I, I want you to choose to believe this morning that, that God is not only closer to you than you can possibly understand, but that God is always, always on your side. Pulling for you. Intervening for you. Wanting to partner with you, extending an invitation to you, that no matter what's happened, this future that we're living into, it's a future that already belongs to God. The God who loves to make and keep promises. Eleven times in just five verses, we, we could find hundreds of other promises throughout Scripture God loves to make and keep promises, not just about you, but to you, for you. My hope and prayer for you is that as you consider, not just the journey you've had, but the journey you believe you will have, that you find confidence in believing that the God that we rely on is, is better than we could possibly understand, wants what's best for us, and is already working to help us experience 
the goodness that he has waiting for us. It's, it's never too late, not while, not while we're still breathing, for us to start to trust and believe and lean in to the grace that, that God is wanting to offer us. But we do have to make the decision to be open to it. Because we can run from the future God wants from us. We can run from the future God wants for us. We can run from the destiny that God is offering us. God will not force his way on us. He will not force us to live the life he wants for us. And yet, he is begging us to hear. He is begging us to listen. And he always is. We just have to find a way to let him in. A way to welcome God actively into our world, into our everyday lives. And I promise you, if, if what you need more than anything else in this new year is a brand new beginning and a fresh start, that's exactly what God can and will give you. You can, you can bet your life on it. You can bet your future on it. Because after all, this is the church. And we're church people. And what that means, maybe more than anything else, is that we're people of the second chance. And the, and the chance after that, and the chance after that, well, and you know what comes next. We're people of the second chance, the, the eternal second chance. Not because of anything we do, but because of the God that we have, because of the God who longs to do all things for us, so that we can join Paul in saying that we can do all things through him who gives us strength. I don't know what kind of year you had last year. I know the kind of year I had. And my prayer for every single one of us here is that we will invite God, not only into our hearts, but into the things in our hearts that we struggle with and wrestle with, the doubts, the fears, the lies that we believe, that say that whatever last year was like, this year's probably going to be more of the same. My prayer is that 2019 is our very best year yet, and it's not because of us, but it's because of him. We're going to sing together now, and as we do, a few of our shepherds and their wives will be waiting for you just outside these double doors, waiting to pray, to talk with you, to be Christian community for you. And so if there's any concern at all you brought with you that you would like to bring to them and lift up to our Heavenly Father, please go to them as together we stand and sing.